monitor here. Oh. Yeah. And I had a, I was watching a movie about Iggy and the Stooges, and it was a really dark picture. So I wasn't getting any light, but now yeah. that I put up, take the picture down, now I'm getting light from my monitor. Anyway, you ready to roll? We're live, it says. Okay. Let's roll. Good evening, it's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles, it's 7 p.m. in New York City, and the rest of the country, well, we don't much care about the rest of the country. Hello, everybody, it's Mad Dog Scipio, and welcome to What's the Buzz Popcast. Tonight, a very special episode, one-on-one with Alan Zweig, director of one of my favorite films, When Jews Were Funny. And we're going to get into it right now, let's, uh, let's introduce Alan, he is an actor, director, writer, sometimes actor, I should say, director and writer, and uh, known for the 1989 film Stealing Images, the 2015 film Hurt, the 2013 film, which we will talk about tonight, When Jews Were Funny, and a variable list of credits that go from documentary to feature all over the place. Um, we will talk to Alan Zweig tonight, and Alan, you are live on What's the Buzz? How are you, my friend? Not bad, but... I see. I'm being interviewed by Mad Dog and Pitbull. I'm a, is there some kind of interest? Shouldn't I have a nickname, Alan? Um, the, Alan the Cheese Grater. I'm going to call you Alan the Zipper's Wig. Zipper. I'm going to call you the Zipper because you have a way of wrapping things up, zipping things up in the end of a film. Oh. I like the way you you do that. It yeah. was brilliant, by the way. We're going to talk about um, when Jews were funny using. Uh, Bob Einstein, a.k.a. Super Dave Osborne, the late Super Dave, rest in peace. Um, when he says to you, that's the end of your movie, it was like pure seven, serendipity. It was brilliant. Let's talk about, uh, before we get into when Jews were funny, um, because we are, the, tonight's subject is uh, why Jews are funny. And we're going to oh. talk a lot about that. And... Uh, so I'm not sure they are as funny as they used to be. When I say when Jews were funny, I'm not saying they're not funny. Yeah. A lot of Jews felt very threatened by that. What? You're saying we're not funny? But I right. but I'm not saying you're not funny, although the fact that you're so upset by the title is kind of uh, you know, maybe you should have a sense of humor yeah. about titles, but anyway. Well, I'm no. telling you why. Uh in my case, um and I had an interesting upbringing. Um, of course, I'm Italian with a name like Scipio, but I grew up absolutely loving Borscht Belt comic. I loved Borscht Belt comedy, and I loved Borscht Belt comics. Um, even back in the day, people like Sophie Tucker, um, uh, people like um, oh Joey Lewis, oh my goodness, um, God, uh, Shelly Berman was one, one of my favorites. I, I actually got to know Jackie Vernon. Rest in peace. Uh, Jackie well, when, was I was, when, I was, when I was in New York making the film, there was a little event happened at this little synagogue, this downtown New York synagogue. They used to be the, like the showbiz Friars Club synagogue. And yeah. Pat Cooper showed up. Now, Pat Cooper, as you know, is one of your countrymen. He's Italian. Yeah. But still, he, you know, the style of comedy that was popular back then in the Ed Sullivan days yeah. was kind of Jewish. And when I heard Pat Cooper, you know, uh, perform that night, if you told me he was Jewish, I would have believed you. So, yeah. like, well, the comedy and that's that, you're talking, the comedy that you're talking about. Okay. 
Sorry. Alan, that's absolutely a testament to exactly what we're talking about. Um, it is, it's the essence of what we're talking about. Um, it's, you're absolutely right. It's not when Jews were fun. Jews are still funny. The problem is that there's a certain stereotype with the old Jewish comics that today's young Jewish comedians either do not recognize or do not pay homage to. Okay, I do. I am going to have to beg to differ with you. Okay, that's, that's what right. I would say is more. Really, you know, just like once upon a time, uh, you know, musicians. Some okay. Well, that's not even a good analogy. The comedy that became synonymous with American comedy mm -hmm. was invented by Jews in vaudeville, yeah. and when that comedy became pop so popular that that everybody wanted it the only people really that knew how to make it were jews and just like italians all the crooners were italian except for steve lawrence who was jewish uh -huh. all the comedians were jewish mm -hmm. now what happened was eventually that just became the american style of comedy and now everybody does it you know and eventually Comedy stopped being dominated by Jews. It just became, you know, it, it it's, you know, there's so many more comedians and comedy yeah. clubs and things like that than there was in the 60s. And so, you know, there's not enough Jews to dominate it anymore. But I would say that the style of comedy that we would recognize in Alan King or somebody sure. like that, if you go to a comedy club now, whether the guy's Jewish, like, you know, I don't know, Elon Gold or somebody like that, or whether mm -hmm. they're Goyish, like, well, I was, you know, like, I don't know who. Basically, you know, I mean, there still were Jerry Seinfeld, Jewish, Bob Saget, Jewish, etc. Right. But I'm just saying that Jewish style of humor, which was, um, you know, what they say is, that I'm not giving a history lesson, but before Jews, the comedy in a vaudeville thing would be making fun of the other person. There's right. the dopey, like usually some racial stereotype. He's sure. gonna, we're going to make fun of him. Jews were the first mm -hmm. ones to go through that. Sure. I'm going to turn it on me. I don't get no respect. I'm right. an asshole. I'm an idiot. I keep making mistakes. Yeah. I hate my life. That became the basically jewish comedy that be, that was jewish comedy which became American. Well, let's talk about that alan jewish comedy for for the most part particularly in the early half of the the, the uh, 20th century was dominated by jews and the oppression that they felt and comedy was a way to relieve that oppression what do you think yes or no well i i mean one thing that's true is they they all took, they almost all took assimilated names. They almost all didn't want to be seen as Jewish. They, they would only sort of show their Jewishness in, you know, like in my mm -hmm. film, Norm Crosby. Who wouldn't like Crosby? Come on. It's a completely sure. non-Jewish name. And his, and in fact, in his case, the comedy he did was not Jewish comedy. So, right. you know, when I made my film and I asked these guys, were you Jewish comedians? The answer was, of course, we were. Of course. What do you mean? We were comedians and we were Jewish. But they were so defended against well, the idea yeah. of being seen that way that almost everyone I interviewed of the old school Jack Carter, Jackie yeah. Green, they all utterly denied. Well, they took exception to it, particularly. I'm talking about a couple of guys, particularly. And you mentioned Jack Carter. I have a friend, a, a dear friend named Jeffrey Mark, who knew Jack Carter very, very well. And good friend of mine. He's been on the show a few days out in Palm Springs. He's a writer. He's a grand, uh, an Emmy Award-winning television writer, um, Jewish comedian, singer. Um, he does it all, and but he knew Jack, and he said, Jack, and I want to talk to you about this because it came across in your film. Jack was a very angry guy 
because he didn't he didn't become as big as he thought he was. Right. Yeah. He that, he perceived himself to be bigger than he actually was. I believe. Well, that's you know what that's a show. Yeah, some of the a lot of them feel that way. Some mm -hmm. of them let you know. Some of them don't. Actually, the one who is in my film who I could perceive that the most clearly, and I don't like to speak ill of the departed, but right. Shelley Berman was the one who was most unhappy about. Yeah, why did he fight you on that? I don't know. I don't know. I again, Shelley Berman. He, you know, if he wanted to make an argument that his style of humor, which was more intellectual mm -hmm. and maybe more political, was not what he thought Jewish comedians did. Well, yeah. we could we could debate that subject. But to me, his humor was, was you know, like he, he, Mort Saul also was Jewish and didn't do the, he, he kept telling me, line, punch, line, punch. He was making fun of yeah. the sort of normal rhythm of humor and saying, I'm not that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, fine. You're not. Like, I'm not even trying to, the thing is, let's go back a bit more. Sure. As a filmmaker, I was not trying to prove a point. I, I, a lot of negative feedback about my film talks about the filmmaker had a thesis and he's such an idiot that he lets people argue with his thesis in the film. And I'm like, right. yeah, if I had a thesis and I was trying to prove it, well, one thing I wouldn't do is include people in the film who are arguing with me. The fact that I'm including people in the film that were arguing with you might make you go, oh, you know what? Maybe he doesn't really care about his thesis. Yeah. It's just a jumping off point for conversation. But these old guys, like here is one thing, one sort of interesting story that I remember. I was working with a producer who mm -hmm. knew a bunch of these guys. Yeah. When I asked him, so do you, what are they going to be like when I asked them stuff about like, what would your dad like? Was your dad funny, et cetera? What are they going to be like? And he said, oh, they'll be so, it'll be so refreshing for them that you won't ask them the same stories that they've told on the Tonight Shows a million times. Ah, wrong. That's completely <laughs> wrong. That's all they want to do is tell sure. the same stories they've told. Cause, cause they're not really in the business of having a conversation. They're no. in the business of being pre-interviewed. Right. Set up well, that that that's actually Alan. That is a damn good segue because I'm going to ask you about that. Um, I mentioned a few moments ago to you that I knew Jackie Vernon. Yeah. Jackie could actually have a conversation and and enjoyed speaking. He loved talking about everyday stuff. He had a certain shtick that he would use on the Merv Griffin show, on a Johnny Carson show, on Dinah Shore, wherever he went. He had a certain shtick. It was about a three or four minute bit that he would blow up into about a 20 minute conversation, essentially. Why? That's the question I have for you. Why is it? That they cannot converse. Why well, do think, they? Why can they not articulate the art of a conversation? Well, I think part of it is they have a an image to protect, and so they don't really want you to get to. You know, I'm sure you've had the same thing. I even had that. Like, I was not the first one to have this experience with Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert mm -hmm. came in and he's talking like a normal person, just like you and me, like. Like, and I'm like, oh, that's so great. Yeah. Because that voice, you know, whatever. I loved Gilbert Gottfried. I thought he was hilarious. But mm -hmm. I thought, okay, while well, we're doing an interview, he doesn't have to be on. So yeah. he's going to talk just like this. We started the interview. I rolled camera, but I didn't tell him I was rolling. Right. And he was still talking like a normal person. And then at a certain point, he said, oh, wait a second. Are we rolling? And I said, yeah. And he said, ah, anyway. And he went into the Gilbert yeah. Godfrey thing he, because he went into the shtick. 
because that's where, you know, that's something that they've worked on. That's something they've practiced. Yeah. That's how their career, they didn't make a career from letting their hair down yeah. and just talking. I have to tell you, Alan, that we were negotiating to have Gilbert on the show when he passed. Oh, well, you know, yeah. he would have done, like, I did another interview with him. He was a very, for another film, I didn't use it, but he was a very cooperative, lovely person. All I'm yeah. saying is, that many of the people I interviewed before you rolled camera gave you a certain, you know, relaxed, interesting perspective. But as soon as you rolled camera, they were, even if you were some instinctive, even if I was some little schmuck from Toronto that they've never heard of with a little crew, (laughs) they didn't care that when the camera's rolling, it's Johnny Carson and it's time for them to tell that funny story they've told a million times and when you say you know tell like i mean the thing the funny thing about them is you know the film ends with this moment with shelly berman right it's like you had to it's like everything i was asking him to talk about yeah came out in that moment and yeah. i was like why have you been arguing with me well because well, you i want to talk because to you th- there's really you know, a yeah, absolutely, brother. I'm with you. I mean, There's- the only person who understood what I was saying and didn't try to put on airs and talk to me like a human being who was famous was David Brenner. Mm-hmm. And that may be, you know, David Brenner had a history, before he was a comedian, was a documentary filmmaker. So yeah, maybe he understood what I was doing. But every absolutely. single one of them to get them to be real, yeah, it would only happen by accident. It would only happen in between the moments. Oh, I think I can tell you why. I think I can tell you why with Brenner. I think it largely has to do with the fact that he is from Philadelphia and grew up in a, a largely Italian and Jewish community where the Italians and the Jews would eat together, cook together, party together. And I know the area he's from in Philadelphia, rest his soul. Um, in fact, we yeah. were supposed to go see him, and he passed away a week later. I mean, um, yeah, he in made, New Jersey. Maybe he was just less worried about his career, you know? Yeah. I well, mean, I mean, at that in, point in his career, I mean, he's already made his millions. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I mean... You know, when, when, like, to me, that's why I start the film with four old comedians who each, one by one, completely um, argue with my premise. Every one yeah. of them. Like, but my thing is, this all started probably in 1962 or something. I'm watch. I would watch TV with my parents and my parents would say, he's Jewish. He's Jewish. Like for me yeah. as a kid, I didn't think any of them were Jewish, but it, they you're watching a movie and they tell you Kirk Douglas is Jewish. And it's like because they're proud mm-hmm. that these boys that they grew up with have mm-hmm. made it in Hollywood. And even though they're hiding their, you know, who would have thought yeah. Tony Curtis was Tony Curtis was Italian as far as I was concerned. No, he was he was Jewish. So I grew up. Mm-hmm. Being told by my parents, he's Jewish. He's Jewish. Yeah. That one's Jewish. So I just now I'm meeting Shecky Green. I was like, "You were Jewish comedian? No, no. I yeah. was a comedian. I happen to be Jewish." Exactly. But well, let's talk Jewish. about a guy that took exception with you right from the get-go throughout the whole film. Uh, Bob Einstein, aka Super Dave Osborne. By the way. Bob Einstein, late Bob Einstein, Super Dave, is the, the brother of uh, film actor Albert Brooks. Right. So, so uh, I don't know. If Bob, to, what what happened? Like right off the bat. Okay. Well, Bob Einstein, I yeah. would. Okay. So Bob Einstein was, before the cameras rolled, one of the funniest people I ever met in my life. He told a couple of stories about working with Red Fox that made me like you know, liquid come out of my whole body. Like he was a very funny guy, but he was kind of a prick. Now, not a prick like, like, you know, whatever, a faint, more the kind of person 
what the way I think of it with Bob Einstein, I may be wrong, is he would act like that to his friends. He would always take mm-hmm. the piss. He would yeah. always go after you. He would always try to be critical and make fun of you. Yeah. If you were his friend, you would give it back. Yeah, sure. But I was not his friend. I was a little, again, some schmuck from Toronto who really needed him to yeah. uh, be cooperative. So yeah. I couldn't, I mean, at the best of times, at my funniest, I probably also could not compete with Bob Einstein. Yeah. But there became a point in the interview when he insulted me mm-hmm. and I said to my crew, okay, let's get the fuck out of here. Like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah. But they are instructed not to turn off the camera when I say that. Right. So we kept rolling. And at that point, I knew I had everything I needed. Yeah. So then I started, like, giving it back to him. And that's, ah, when, gotcha. that's when I started to enjoy it, because at least I could answer him back. Yeah. So, yes, I think he, I think he was a little bit... A little bit cruel with me, but you know, whatever. The weird thing yeah. about Bob Einstein is he told me a story that's in the film that once more completely, uh, you know, reinforces my so called theme. He told me this story about something his father did, yeah, which was so Jewish humor of that generation. He mm-hmm. and like he told me that story and I'm like, "Well, why are you arguing with me about my premise?" But I think you know, he said to me like, "Well, you know, this subject you want to talk about that's boring. Let me just tell you some funny stories." And I was like, "Well, I mean, oh. he made a point of telling you that, you know, he 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 says he looks right at the camera and says, "Look, I don't mean to be an asshole." You know, he oh, says okay. this. Yeah, but no, he I don't mean to be an asshole, but you're but you're being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like the thing is, when all this was happening, when when these sort of biggish stars were being dismissive and rude and arguing with me, there, yeah, you know, I admit there's a little part of my, you know, ego that was like, oh, I wish they liked me and thought I was so brilliant. Yeah. And was hurt. But 90% of me was like, that'll be in the film. Thank you. That'll be in the film. Exactly. Like, every time you insult me and it's funny and the audience is going to laugh, thank you. Because I'm not here to get you to agree with me. Oh, Alan, yes, you're very right about your thing. Let's move on. I'm here to get you to be really rude and Jewish and funny. Yeah. And if I have to be the, the butt of your jokes, you know, yeah, I would say I'll laugh all the way to the bank, but unfortunately, as a Canadian filmmaker, well, let's talk about that, bank. Alan. Actually, um, let's let's actually talk about that. When the okay. film came out, it was almost universally panned by the critics as um, a kind of a, a wash in, you know, in an old Jewish humor. Uh, for example, I'll give you. I'll read a one of the critics. Oh, you want to read a negative review? Go. Well, no, I'm not going to read. And it's not really negative. It's just it's, maybe you'll understand it though. Okay. Director Alan Zweig's own anxiety get in the way of his larger questions about humor and Jewish identity, leaving us with more yucks than nuanced ideas. Well, isn't the whole purpose of the film to leave you with a little humor and laughter? You know what? I do. I. I mean. Wasn't I, that the whole I, purpose I of it? made I have made a lot of very personal films. I've made three films in the early 2000s where I talk about my neuroses while talking about the similar issues that other people had. I made a right. film about record collecting. I made a film about being seen as negative. I made a film about being chronically single. I've, it's it's just my style to kind of tell my story and get you to tell your story and how it relates. Exactly. People, the thing is, those films that I'm talking about have been very successful in Canada and Toronto, 
but because I'm a Canadian filmmaker, completely unknown in the U.S. So right. uh, here comes when Jews were funny. As far as they're con- they don't know anything about me. Yeah. They just read the box and it says it's a history of Jewish comedy, which mm-hmm. it isn't. And then they hear this guy in the background being all neurotic about his daughter and about his grandfather. Yeah. Well, that's I don't the blame them. That's that's you know. I have an eccentric personal documentary style, which Mm -hmm. has carried me through my modest little Canadian success. And if people haven't seen those films and they see When Jews Were Funny, I'm not surprised that they go, what the hell is that guy talking about? Yeah. But what can I do? I'm not. Well, I have to tell you, though, Alan, that. when Jews Were Funny is getting a lot of airplay right now here on the Tubi TV. Yeah, no, it's on um, Tubi. But, yeah. you know, here's the thing. the the I have, I go online and I read the negative comments about my film. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, it's my most well, it's my most seen film. And it's my most uh, witheringly criticized film. And mm-hmm. that's okay with me. I don't like it. But it's okay with me because I understand. I make a particular well, I have kind some of film. really great reviews about the film. I actually you have some what? really the good film reviews. Won, the film won prizes in Canada. It's, right. The thing is, if you know, this is the thing. Audiences, particularly for documentaries, are very conservative. Right. Where where people in the fiction world are here read about Harmony Corinne or Jean Luc Godard, and they hear that the filmmaker has a style of their own. When it comes to documentaries, they don't want somebody with a style of their own. They don't want somebody with a voice. They just want somebody to feed them a bunch of entertaining, nonfiction, whatever. And I'm not in the world to do that. So people who knew what to expect like the film. But if you're watching it to see a history of Jewish comedy, Mm -hmm. there's a film called When when comedy went to school or something about the borscht belt, there's yeah. lots of stuff on CNN and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where they will go through the history of Jewish comedy. Then there was this guy, then there was that guy, then yeah. there was that guy. I'm not that kind of filmmaker. I'm not. Well, a- no, but that's, that's not what, when Jews were funny was about when Jews were funny to me. And I love documentaries and I love to sit and watch. And I've watched that film, Alan, I'll tell you straight up. 54 times already. Uh, literally I'm being, a little, I'm being a little defensive, Angela, you know. No, not at Mad all. Dog. Let, let, me, let me tell you what I believe. Okay. I believe the film was misunderstood when it came out. It's not a film about being Jewish and being a Jewish comedian. It's a film about growing up Jewish. It's with a film. family right. and it's friends. Right. It's a and it's also not really about being Jewish. Anybody, including you and many of your listeners, whose parents came over as, whose grandparents came over as immigrants mm-hmm. with an immigrant culture in the early 20th century, sure. and then very, and then little by little, that culture became assimilated. And they think back to sitting in the kitchen with their Italian grandmother and how sure. she would talk and how. And and they're gonna miss that. That's all the film was about. Yeah, it was just about, exactly. It was just about old Jews had a way of talking. Now it's like I am now an old Jew. I they, am. Yeah, exactly. When I was a kid, a Jew of my age, yeah, would be sitting, eating soup, complaining, talking a little Yiddish, you know, and he'd be hilarious. And I wish I could bring that old-fashioned Jewish complaining, whining, soup-slurping humor to my, to some, but I, uh, you know, I'm too assimilated too. I'm too, I'm too Mm -hmm. Canadian. So the, the, the best reviews of my film is when somebody tells me I'm Italian, I'm Chinese, I'm Croatian. But right. I totally get what your film is about. Absolutely. That was the idea. That's one of the reasons I wanted you on the show tonight. Thank you. You know, the, the, the film has been, even the people that were in the film, 
you know, were liberally, you know, critical of it. Guys like Mark Marin, who said, that, you know, Jews are still funny. We're not a dying breed. You know, Mark Marin can be a bit sarcastic. I, you know, I know a little bit about Mark. I never met him, but I know people that know him. Yeah, I mean, he well, can be. So, uh, he can be a bit edgy. You know. Yeah. You know like what he says. I, I, I like Mark Marin. If he doesn't like the film, I, I, too bad. You well, know, like says that I heard, so I heard that Howie Mandel did like it, but mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that's true. I will say this. Howie Mandel is funnier in my film than he in anything else he's ever done. Well, let's take a look at something right here, Alan. The, you and I, we we do a um a segment on our normal show called Show and Tell. Okay. Um, let's take a look at this. I they weren't really better than everybody else. But it was that when you had a Jewish comedian, he was damn good. The comedians of our world were basically Jewish. I don't even know what you're asking. No. 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 It's that rhythmic. Right. Pausing. It's a stereotype. It's funny. The history of 20th century humor is Jewish. Period. That's what we're missing. It's just the accent. We're the same people. Wait, you're talking about why Jews are funny? And you haven't talked about Jewish mothers yet? You're either saying Jews aren't as funny as they once were, or Jews are funnier. Both are wrong. This is Jewish. This is very Jewish. So Talk basically, you're making a film because you feel guilty. I don't know that we can solve all your problems. What's the thesis of this whole piece? Are you listening to me? Because I'm wasting my time if you're not. It was sensational. That's a pretty I good thing. I think Howie Mandel sums it up. It's I mean, the face that sums it up. <laughs> yeah, Howie Mandel basically says that Jews made the same face whether they were saying something was great or they were saying and millions of people died. It was like yeah. everybody died or, and I mean, that was very Gilbert Gottfried, right? That sort of, yeah. anyway, like that's Well, a nice we're going to take another look at that premise. Yeah. I don't know. Let's take another look at that premise there, uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk about this right after the clip. A lot of shows uh, for Jews in Florida for old Jewish people. Are there Jewish people here? Oh my God, this is like a JCC. Wow. Where'd you go to camp? You're, you're Jewish? Did you go to sleepaway camp? <laughs> um... <laughs> I, uh, I do a lot of shows for old Jewish people in Florida, and you wouldn't know this, but they're the hardest crowd there is. There, there's no harder crowd. After each show, I eat a live pig. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it's really hard because most of the crowd is 80, 90, some have passed. And I <laughs> have to make them laugh, and they have horrible faces. I mean, I'm gonna end up looking like this. This is the face. <laughs> Of every old Jew, I'm gonna end up looking like, no matter how beautiful you are, you end up looking like that. I mean, I'll be doing stand-up in 30 years. How's everyone doing? <laughs> and if they do it even when they're saying something positive, like it's gorgeous outside. <laughs> Look at the sun, it's beautiful. <laughs> this meal is delicious. <laughs> the test came back negative, I'm gonna live. <laughs> Are you sure you're happy, Phyllis? You look fucking miserable. Phyllis is a hot name, isn't it? Oh, Phyllis, yeah! Um, get over here, Ruth! <laughs> uh, so, um, you, you, yeah. you get where we're going here. Um, it's yeah. all... Anyway, 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 it's inflection. It's it's the the characterization, the gist of it. I think, um, and you may agree. You may you may not, Alan. Um, there was we have a, a dear friend uh, on the show. His name is Mark Sotkin, and Mark is the uh, writer, producer, Swatkin. and Swatkin. Good Jewish name, go ahead. Exactly, exactly. And he is uh, he's a good friend. We talked about it one night. Uh, he was the um, the uh, producer, writer, and sometimes director of The Golden Girls. Oh. Uh, he wrote for Laverne and Shirley, oh. um, Designing Women, shows like that. Wow. Um, yeah. 
So, yeah, and he's a, he's a good friend of mine personally and a friend of the show. He's been here about a half a dozen times. We talked about, you know, exactly what you and I are talking about. Is it something in the gene or is it something in the family structure? And Mark believed that it was really the the essence of Jewish humor comes from the parent, the family structure. Well, I, okay, so I would say the essence of Jewish humor came from despair and 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 sadness and sorrow and mm-hmm. knowing, you know, like I always say that the most. I made a film called Ikermudgeon, and in the film we were talking about sort of how positive people can sometimes drive you crazy and. There was a discussion about that expression, it's all good, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's like that expression, that is the 180 degree from Jewish idea. There's no, I I bet that's the problem with Jews nowadays is that you actually probably hear some Jews saying it's all good. Their grandparents Mm -hmm. in their grave are spinning. What? You're saying it's all good. No, you don't get it. Nothing's good. Like, yeah. like, so, you know, people say it's all good about anything. They're like, you know, I was just diagnosed with, you know, cancer. Ah, it's all good. Yeah. Like, you know, so I just think, you know, it's humor comes from pain. It's, it's like, I'm going to make fun of me before you make fun of me. Exactly. I'm going to make myself the butt of the, my jokes. So sure. you can't hurt me with your jokes. You, you know, like, and I'm not a scholar of that. I just know, you know, and the thing is, when I said when Jews were funny, I wasn't even talking about Jewish comedians. Right. Comedians, if you're a comedian, you're probably funny, whether, you know, if you're you're still working, you're a funny person. What Mm -hmm. I was talking about was when my grandparents were funny. Exactly. And I I got that immediately. When grandparents were funny. You know, Mark Maron makes this argument about were they trying to be funny? And I'm like, right. I don't give a fuck, Mark. Like, I don't yeah. care. Sorry, can I swear on your show? Can I? Well, do, can I? Yeah. Uh, well, what Mark okay, was. Anyway, I'm just saying Mark Maron was like, it's was arguing with me that they weren't funny on purpose. And it's like, I don't care. Well, I think Mark Maron doesn't, doesn't know the, the fucking difference between funny uh, and not funny anymore. Oh, no, I, I mean, Mark, you know, whatever. Mark Maron, I like him. I like his podcast. Oh, I like Mark, too, any, but sometimes he, was, he doesn't know he was, where to... He was nice to me to be in the film. And he's friends with... I. There's a guy in the film named Andy Kindler. I oh, would sure. consider Andy my friend, and Mark is a friend of his. I'm just yeah. saying... He didn't like, you know, oh, I love Andy Mark Maron does not. Mark Maron, in my opinion, listening to the podcast, you know, when he's around a Jewish guy, right. mm-hmm. he, he's like, I'm Jewish, too. But he's whether he grew up, whether it's because he's interesting in you say that, Alan. Yeah. It's anyway, I'm just saying I'm just saying I did the when I say when Jews were funny, I'm saying. When your parents and grandparents were funny without yeah. even trying to be funny. That's, that's the what point. And that's about. what I'm saying to you. But when when there's somebody in the film, I can't remember, he tells this joke, that very quick joke about how the waiter comes to the Jewish, yeah. the table of Jewish women and says, Is anything all right? You know, that's funny because they because yeah. they would complain about everything. Everything. And that makes it a you know, <laughs> like there's Certain the the joke about the one that he had a hat. It's like your your grandson is brought back to you by God, but you're still going to complain because he didn't bring back the hat that he was wearing. Those are yeah. those Jewish jokes come from our grandparents who were always kind yeah. of disappointed in life. Well, but I, also, I'll tell you what I get it. Yeah, I, I really do. I I get it. Uh, and that's why I identify with it so much. Right. I mean, we're talking about the essence of what, of what we're talking about isn't Jewish humor. It's humor, period. Right. 
It's more. And that's the essence of it. And people right. have tried to make this argument to you. For example, Mark Marin says that you're blind to the beginnings of your own metamorphosis into old Jewness. Um, echoing other sentiments that the essential Jewish character never changes even as the Yiddish accent fades away. Is this well, Mark Maron talking? The, are you finding these quotes of things Mark Maron has said about Jewish humor? No, that was just myself? one. That was, that was one, one no, quote. Saying, actually, believe it or not, a, a very a very good review. He um, was talking about my film or just... He's talking general? about the film, yes. Oh. He's talking about the film, but he's personalizing it, saying that you know you're you can't accept your old Jewness. It's like what's whatever the hell that means, Alan. Look, I'm an old Italian. Does does that mean I have to find my old Italianness? Uh, you know fuck? what? It just it's again. The all I can say is, um, I do not in the film uh, need anybody to agree with me. I'm giving my opinion. I'm liking, I invite them to give their opinions yes. even when their opinions are different than mine, including Mark Maron. So Absolutely. I just think it's a little weird if somebody uh, puts down the film by saying he doesn't get it. That what you not, not getting it is yeah. part I, of the film. I don't understand quite what that's all about either. We could we could debate that thing to nauseum. I mean, Here's the essence the of is, it. Luckily, the film is 10 years ago, and yeah, it's nice the, that you're talking about it here, but I really, you know, I would love to go to L.A. and hang out with Mark Maron and have him be my friend, but if he doesn't like my film, doesn't that's really... Okay. Well, that's doesn't okay. You can hang out with me because I love your film. Here's okay. the thing, and I want everybody to understand this, okay? What Alan Zweig did with this film, irrespective of whether you like it or don't like it or, or think it's funny or not, you managed to do something that hasn't been done before or since because the people aren't around anymore. What you did was you captured the essence of Shelley Berman, Shecky Green, um, Gilbert Gottfried, rest his soul, um, all these great humorous you know bob einstein super dave osborne um they're all gone jack carter they're they're all gone i would say even more like that i wish i had it with me there was this review that that took me down point by point they say i'm a nebbish because i let people argue with me they right. say my premise is very weak but they ended it with saying but the film captures jewish humor better than anything I've ever seen. And it's and like, that, and we are going you know, to, like, to exemplify that right now. Let's take a look at this.
That's my personal salute to the people that make me laugh. Anyway, you know what? this is what I want to say. I've been very, maybe a bit defensive about my film. Hearing and you have every right to be. But this is what I say. I could have called the film a bunch of Jews, sit around talking about <laughs> being Jewish, about Jewish humor, tell some Jewish jokes, remember their parents, etc. That's all I wanted to make. But people don't, you know, they... If if I you know that's what the film is. If you watch the film, forget about any that I'm trying to prove a point. I'm not trying to prove a point. I'm just trying to have a conversation and package it in such a way that you can watch it like a yeah. movie. Where if you you know you would if you came to a house and people were at a party, we're talking. So my job as a filmmaker is to take everything that happened in those conversations. And make it into a palatable little thing that can be a movie that's on Tubi. And that's all I tried to do. Well, I am not a sociologist mm -hmm. trying to prove anything. If if indeed Mark Marin is right and I don't accept that I become an old Jew, okay, that's fine. My non-acceptance, I hope, is entertaining to you. Right. I'm not try <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to make a point. That's the problem. The thing with documentaries is people don't often don't differentiate between mm -hmm. documentary as an art form right. and a report they saw on TV last night about some band they like and they just listened to information for an hour and, oh, I love that documentary. That's not a documentary. That's yeah. journalism. That's not filmmaking. There I'm a was filmmaker one... and yeah. I try to make a little piece of art, not a little piece of uh, like uh, journalism, what they call yeah. that sort of uh, representing an opinion, opinion journalism. I'm not yeah. an opinion journalist. I'm just... Well, you're not really... I mean, you're... Yeah, I'm just trying to you're get... You're an entertaining... People. Right. You're I'm an entertaining documentarian. Yeah. That's really what you, know, you are. I was trying to get those people to talk. Sometimes you get them to talk by sure. by making them argue with you sometimes Alan you I'll tell you what brother you and I are you and I are in the same business I mean you want to sit here night after night and uh, sometimes it's like being a dentist you know extracting teeth from people to get them to talk but right. yeah. somehow I managed to do it one of the things that bothers me uh is that uh one critique one criticism that really bothered me is that um who said that the documentary was merely Zweig's attempt to absolve himself of religious guilt for not bringing his daughter up Jewish? If only he'd wrestled, if he only wrestled with this uh, accusation like the old Zweig would have would have done. Although he couldn't defer to a more insightful batch of interviewees, the um, I, I understand what they're who said saying. That? Is that like William Campbell, somebody, Jewish, by the way, somebody on Twitter or something, you know, what? Rotten, again, rotten Tomatoes again, it's like, whatever. Yeah, they have an expect, you know, people hear what a film is about. They yeah. have an expectation when you don't fulfill that expectation, they get confused. Like, am I wrestling with my do I want to be absolved for not being religious Jew? No, not really. But mm. if I do, what's wrong with me saying that in a film? Exactly. What people want is for you to come, what people want is for you to come in the film and say, in this film, I will absolve myself of my guilt. And then mm. you come on at the end and you go, hey, everybody, I absolved myself of my guilt. Doesn't everybody feel good? That's the end of the movie. And Nobody like, gives a shit. That's the problem. That's like, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to make a movie where we talk about some things that yeah. are concerning to me. I'm not trying to make a movie where at the end I will understand yeah. everything about myself. That's here's not, what you know. Like, here's what I gleaned from people, the. I'm just saying these people yeah. were criticizing me. 
Like well, the thing is that Mark Marin's humor, that let's just say, what yeah. this guy's saying about me, trying to understand yourself. Mark mm -hmm. Marin's humor, and I like it, is all about him trying to wrestle with himself and his demons. He's talking now about his father. Exactly. A lot. Exactly. That's his entire thing. I tried to do that in a movie. Yeah. And just like he still is going to be on that journey for the rest of his life, I'm yeah. still on that journey. The idea of the film was not to end the journey. That's well, I, I think what people need to understand, and the essence of when Jews were funny is simple and basic to its core. It was not intent, and I think this is where people, where you lost people in the film. They were as, assuming, perhaps rightly or wrongly, I think wrongly, assuming that this film was going to be a comedy and they could show off their shtick. They could be funny. That's why Gilbert Gottfried, rest his soul, went from speaking like this to talking like this, you know? That's not what when Jews were funny was meant to be. It was not I mean, what it was some of them, like I said, some of them understood what I was doing, including Gilbert, and they mm -hmm. went with the program. Some of them argued with me. You know, this, here's a weird thing. You show your film, and there's a scene in your film where somebody makes fun of you. Yeah. And you do a Q&A, and people say, oh, that guy made fun of you, as if, yeah, I've been editing that film for a year. I've seen that thing a million times. Mm -hmm. I know he's making fun of me. I put it in the movie. You left it in, yeah. I put it in, like... Don't go, hey, I got you there, Alan. That guy's making fun of you. Yes, I know. I put that in for your entertainment. I hope you were entertained. Don't come now and tell me what a schmuck the guy's making fun of you. Like, I never, thou never no. cease to amaze me how people keep catching me in these gotcha moments in my film. Like, some people. There, there wasn't a single Alan. There, listen to me, brother. I've seen this movie fifty-four times. Okay, okay. I can, you I can, I can, I can say to you, brother. I can say to you, looking square in your eyes right now, because I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm telling you straight up, this is one of my favorite movies for the, the essence of what you captured here. You captured spirit and lightning in a bottle here that we'll never have again. Look at the names that you. They're almost all of them are gone. Almost all of them. There's only yeah. a handful. I mean, I will say, uh, you had a few people in that tribute. I would have, I would have loved to have Mel Brooks. I would have loved to have Carl Reiner. I would have loved to have Richard Lewis. I really wanted him. I, David I love Brenner, Richard. Richard's or, great. David Brenner phoned Richard Lewis and said he should do it, but he didn't do it. There, lots of them. You know. Some yeah. of my favorite, Jerry Seinfeld, lots of people I would have liked to have done it, Paul Reiser, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of people didn't do it. But in the end, it didn't matter really because even you, some of the people that I've never heard of, there's a yeah. A, a well, you, I think you a got what from New York did. called, you know, the guy in the film, Modi? Like that. Oh, yeah. I, never, I don't know who I never, the hell he is. I never heard I was, of I was Modi, trying to figure either. out who this guy was. <laughs> he was amazing, Modi. Uh, I met yeah, his I didn't know who the hell he was before that. And I said, I got to find out who this guy is. No, no, that guy was hilarious. So oh it didn't God, really please. matter that I didn't get the big names. But, you know, as a kid who grew up watching Ed Sullivan, when you, right. know, when you knock at the door and Jack Carter opens it or you go to Palm Springs and there's Shecky Green, like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I didn't really, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect them to agree with me. It just. I was a little surprised when they argued as vehemently as they did, but it didn't stop me yeah. from putting that in the movie. And, and I'm glad is, it didn't because that was all I'll say masterful. Is, when the end comes and Shelley Berman does what he does, yeah. for me, all the arguments pay off. Why are you crying Absolutely. at the end with Shelley Berman? Because of all the arguments that came before that. That. Yep. That's, you know, so I don't know, like, um, it's, 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 you know, I have not read that many 
I every once in a while I go on iTunes or something and I look at the negative reviews and it's funny because like I say, it's my most seen film and it's mm -hmm. my most widely criticized, not just criticized, you know, when somebody calls you a yeah. nebbish, when somebody says you're a lousy interviewer, <laughs> like uh I'm glad I don't take it personally, but you can't. But it's first you know, of all, I think you got thicker skin than that. You've been around this business a long time. Well, no, it's it's, it's not it's, it's it's not even my thick skin. It's more I know that my film, like everything good that's happened to me has come mm -hmm. from my films having a very particular eccentric style. So everybody well loves them, loves them for that reason. If they didn't have that style, yeah maybe the general public might like them more but to be honest i'm a little canadian documentary filmmaker yeah if i was just a general filmmaker that just made normal things i wouldn't have gotten to do what i did it's because it, i look at it this way alan and i learned a long time ago i've been doing interviews for a long long time have you ever been interrupted as much as I as I'm interrupting you? No, usually I'm the one interrupting. <laughs> Ask my co-host, the Pitbull Chapman, she'll tell you. Um, by the way, uh, just let me, for the record, let me <laughs> let me settle this. Uh, we need to settle this. First of all, um, uh, we tried to find out where you got that shirt from you were wearing in that ad, uh, the ad that I put out there. Um, I think oh, it came I out know. of my. Yeah, no, I think that, it came out that, of my closet somewhere. No, no, that's that was some. You know what? That was. I don't like pictures of myself. I don't look like looking at myself. There, I did. You know, I I've had films in film festivals, TIFF in Toronto. They take a lot of publicity pictures on the oh, sure. red carpet. That's one you found it. I've never seen it before. Yeah, I don't remember the shirt, but you know. Yeah, it came out of my closet. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Where do you live, by the way? I am in New Jersey. I am 30 minutes from Atlantic City. Okay. Okay. I've been to New Jersey. Uh, my, my aunt Beatrice, who was the living reincarnation of Sophie Tucker, lived in Tappan Zee. Oh, Tappan Zee. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're in, in Canada. I have actually family in Ottawa, Ontario. Well, that's not really close to where I live, although I okay. could drive there in four hours, five hours. But, yeah, I've been to Ottawa. It's nice. My family not has very... a hotel there called the Prescott. The Prescott. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ottawa. Yeah. It's, yeah, we it's, have, it's uh, a very. Um... Lots of Decipios in Canada. Really? Yes, sir. But none in Toronto. You know that Toronto at one point had more Italians than almost any place in the world, including yeah. cities in Italy. Yeah. Like not as many that's, as Rome. Absolutely true. There used to be a half a million Italians here. We grew up. Absolutely. Jews and my father, the neighborhood we grew up in. Yeah. Clinton Street, College West at Little Italy. Oh, that God, was yeah. good. Well, I'll tell you what, you're an amazing guest. I'd love to have you back on. And Tom, we barely scratched the surface of your work. You've got a, uh, shit ton of documentaries i've seen i've got them all here I know, but they're not they're not available in the u.s because nobody in the u.s there there's a couple of them that are on prime but most of them are unavailable in the u.s because yeah you know we're a foreign country and they're not i don't know you know well we have to work I, out I some extradition deal to be just i don't know how to be got it but to be can have it and you know what will happen now a million more people will see my film. Yes, exactly. And it, hate it, write negative reviews about it, but they'll and then you know, then again and then they'll turn to their friend and they'll tell them some joke that they heard in the movie. Exactly. And their friend will think they're hilarious, and sure. I will say, "You're, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> You're welcome." I'll tell you what. It's been a hell of a night. Let me tell everybody what's coming up tomorrow night. Okay. We have decoding the symbols, hiding in plain sight. Symbols that you see every day, logos and marketing uh, ideas you see every day. 
with deeper, darker meanings than what they uh, intend to um, what they intend to to show the public. Uh, we're going to talk about Facebook's ad. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Facebook's logo, Google's logo. We're going to talk about what Starbucks really means. That's tomorrow night. Next week, uh, who killed Tupac? Tupac Shakur. Dr. Anthony Tobia will be with us on September 29th. And then in October, we're going to start off the month with uh, some of the most deadly cults the world has ever seen with cult expert Dr. Ely Diani. She will be with us. We're going to talk about the People's Temple cult, the uh, Waco Branch Davidians. We're going to talk about Heaven's Gate. Uh, we will be joined in uh, about the mid-October, October 18th, with Ken, Kevin Schopel who is a biblical expert on psychic phenomena. And uh, he validates people like me, is what he does. And then finally, at the end of October, we will do probably the most disturbing story I've ever heard. It's about a young woman named Amy Carlson, who went from Burger King employee to the leader of 8 million people around the world. She was Mother God to the Love Has One cult. Eight million people. And she sprung out of Burger King. Imagine that. In one year, had more than eight million people. Imagine what social networking can do. You don't have to imagine much longer, folks. It's remarkable. Alan's wife, you are a welcome guest here. Anytime you want to join me, Alan, I got an open door policy here. Love to have you back. And uh, maybe do a roundtable. You and I'll do a roundtable. Maybe we get Mark Sotkin here, and uh, and maybe get we all, get the Jeffrey Jeffrey Mark. Absolutely. Get all the people that gave my film negative reviews, and they can give them me the review to my face, and then I can go. You know I what? I'll, tell you what I'll, I don't say, do. I'll say, eh, eh. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Alan. I don't give uh, credence to negativity because I'm a positive guy. Um, I like the movie. I don't give a shit if anybody likes it or not. I like it. That's all that matters. Well, you know what? You're I, I have not done an interview about this film in the eight years. The fact that you asked me to do it was like, really? Are you sure you're talking to the right guy? Oh, so yeah. it's the nice thing about these films we make is that they exist and they show up on people's TV in the middle of the night and you're not there. And it's just nice to be part of the conversation, even yeah. if the conversation is that guy's a schmuck. He's a lousy yeah. filmmaker. Still, I'm glad it's better that they're talking about me than that. They, you know, absolutely. Oh, By the way, oh. my co-host is in the chat room tonight. Amelia Pitbull Chapman. She says, oh, Angelo does interrupt, interrupt a lot. A lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Amelia. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're fired. <No. laughs> Alan, thank you for joining me, my friend. I am going to say goodbye to everyone. And uh, folks, join us tomorrow night. Again, hidden meanings and, uh, and symbols all around us. For Alan Zweig, for When Jews Were Funny, I am Mad Dog Decipio. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.